Anna Aiken is the creator of Daring to Believe, a platform for women to share their stories with an emphasis on embracing authenticity and avoiding perfection. The goal is to give women permission to be themselves, raw and true to life while reflecting the redemption that is in every story and celebrating how God makes us whole. This includes women of all ethnicities, shapes, and histories. Thank you for joining Daring to Believe. I'm your host, Anna Aiken, and I'm super excited to have Julie David, a friend of mine that I've just actually recently met, and you are going to love her, Daring to Believe family. She is, um, she's got this contagious joy. I mean, it's just bottled up in there waiting to be shared, and she stays up late doing lots of work for people. <laughs> we were just talking about that. And then she wakes up super joyful. So I can't wait for you to hear her story. But before we hear her story, I want her to share a little bit about herself. Hi, Julie. Hi, Anna. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so a little bit about me to just really um, paint a picture for my story. Um, I'm a little embarrassed to kind of list some positive things about myself, but I think it's important that I sort of let the listener see a little picture of who I am to understand um, the crazy story that I'm about to share. So I'm 51 and I am the mother of three amazing kids. And that is my absolute greatest accomplishment, blessing, the thing I'm the most proud of. I have twins, Ethan and Grace, that are 20. They are sophomores at Grove City College, which is my alma mater. And then I Woo-hoo. have my baby, Callie. She's a junior at high, in high school at Mars, and she will soon be 17 and is in the process of learning to drive. So that's a fun adventure. Um, mm-hmm. I've been married to my hubby, Philip for over 23 years. We've been together for 25, and I wow. currently live in Mars. I'm actually on my third career. And that is sort of part of my story. Um, Currently, I'm a print specialist at the UPS store in Wexford. That's where Anna and I work together, where she has met me. Can I just put a a pin on that one? She is amazing, listeners. So (laughs) if you are looking for someone to design, create, she is your girl. She will work to the bone until... She gets it right. And that's what I love about you is your passion. I'm sorry. I just had to say oh, that. I mean, you. <laughs> you are amazing. You go above and beyond um, anything that I've ever seen. And I just want to say, what? You're 51? <laughs> I literally thought you were in your early 40s. Oh, I love you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was like, my jaw just hit the floor. Like, 51? Wait, what? So, Okay. <laughs> Well, um, so I've been designing and printing for only about a year, just a little bit over a year. Um, wow. we, we, we built this print business at the UPS store. So it's really exciting that um, that the McCurries brought me on and wanted to do that. And what's really been fun is we just found out that actually in 2021, our first full year as a print center, we were the number one print shop in wow. the UPS region. So that's 24 stores. So that was pretty exciting. Wow. So can I, 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 I'm just so excited. That's what I saw on Facebook. Yeah. So that would mean that when you and I first connected, was that just the start? Yeah. That of was the, print the very, very start. Yeah. We, oh my we gosh. purchased our printer in late September. And then I spent, you know, the end of 2020 trying to learn the difference between 20 pound paper and 28 pound paper. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and now I know all sorts of other types of paper, but um, I was really just beginning to learn what all of this was and make connections. And so we've really exploded um, yeah. over this last year. So it's been really fun. So and can very, I, I'm sorry. Scary. <laughs> well, that's, that's what just blows my mind is because you said it's only been a year yeah. and daring to believe family. I, I I'm just saying this to you. Okay. I, Julie, I mean, I never knew that that was just the beginning because you seemed like an expert (laughs) and so confident. And that's what I loved was that if you didn't have the answer right away, you would just, you know, research and figure it out. Um, And it's that's just a testament. You know, that's just the fruits of your labor right there that you guys were the number one. I mean, very thank God. It's so, so, so good. And um, that is part of my story, too. Just what you just said about research. I'm going to touch on that a little later when it comes to my son. 
But, you know, that's what I've learned. I'm, I'm a historian. Um, that was my first career. And I love to learn. I love to be a teacher. I love to figure things out. And I just dove in. Hey, if somebody's, if this is what I'm, God has placed me. And there's an actually, a, I didn't even plan to share this, but a really interesting side story. So I'll just, God's prompting me. I'm just going to share it with you. I, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, my journey and how I got here, but I was at dinner with um, uh, a very close, close friends of ours, pastor at Northway and um, just mentioned, I feel like I need to find something new. And he made a call to Rob, who's another elder at our church. And within a week, they created this director of business development job for me. It was just a total God thing. And so I know I'm where God wants me to be. I don't understand why I'm selling print um, mm-hmm. and not jewelry. I'm going to talk about that. But this is where he wants me to be. So I just have to do the very best that I can do with where he wants me to be. And so it, it was such a blessing to me to get that we were number one because I, I thought, oh, yeah. oh, maybe maybe I am doing okay. <laughs> I think you're doing right. more than okay. Yeah, Julie, I think you're doing fantastic. Oh, no, it's really great. Well, prior to this, um, this business, I had a very, very, very successful business um, selling premier design jewelry. And I'm going to explain a little more about that, where I was the number one retailer and recruiter in the Pittsburgh area for six straight years, the last six years of premier. Um, was in existence. And I was the top 10 nationally for the last two years. Mm. I was named the servant leader of the year in 2017 for all of the training that I that I did in the travel around the nation to help others to do the same that I was doing. I had a YouTube mm-hmm. channel, um, made lots of, of jewelry videos. In fact, two of Premier's national videos um, I made, went to Texas and made those I traveled the country, trained women. Um, Like I said, you know, utilized YouTube to do that. My YouTube channel is still out there. You can find it if you want to learn jewelry tricks and tips. But um, I would still be working my business if Premier had not closed down at the end of 2020, a casualty of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was, I'm not going to lie, very, very devastating to me. And I'll, I'll kind of talk about that in a little bit. But prior to that, my first Mm -hmm. career was as a seventh grade American history teacher for eight years, where I was actually awarded, and that's a funny story too, but the James Madison Fellowship that fully paid for my master's degree. And just wow. to give you a little, another little glimpse into my crazy, um, I had to work uh, very, very hard on this application. It was like 14 typed pages, all sorts of essays and questions. And if you know me, this is a struggle. I had to get all sorts of um, recommendations and they pick one person per state per year. And so when the Admiral of the Navy uh, called me from Washington to say, I got this, um, this award, I asked him, I said, could I just ask you a a question? Was I the only one that applied? Oh, the confidence we have in ourselves, right? So he said, no, Pennsylvania had the most applicants. I was like, oh, okay. So obviously my struggle is with a lot of low self-esteem and I'm an incredible overachiever. I'm addicted to overachieving. And um, so I'm learning. I'm learning how to, uh, God can heal me from both of those things. So as a side note, a little bit fun about me. I do, I do try to have fun. I don't just work. I love to decorate. Um, my favorite hobby right now is my Saturday morning adventures with Callie. We get to spend Saturday mornings um, shopping and eating and just being together and just pouring into this child before she uh, goes off to college is just my greatest joy right now. And we love just searching for fun finds and being together. So it's, it's such an incredible blessing. So that's do a little like bit about go, me. Do you like to go to state sales? Is that what you guys like to do? Or oh, just... no, no. We like to go to home goods. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we like I love to go that. to home goods and Kirkland's and the mall. And, you know, we just enjoy being together. Target is one of our favorite places, just looking around and imagining yeah. and um, shopping and having coffee. And we just, I love just, she is just the best, loves to talk and just enjoys me. Aww. And she's just a blessing. She's just an oh. unnatural teenager. <laughs> 
I think it's just easy just to be around you. I mean, every time I come into, you know, UPS, you're always just so, you know, inviting and welcoming and we laugh. Um, I want to go back to something that you said that you won this award for servant leadership. Yep. And I was attest that that's, that describes you in such a short amount of time that I've known you. Um, it, it, that's just how you are. You just like to serve your clients. It's, it's more than just a sales right. to you. Right. It's really about, you know, is your customer happy and you want to give them the best possible product and you just strive for excellence. And I love how you said you're kind of overachiever. So maybe that's why God put you together with me because I have that same problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got to kind of, you know, tone that down right. a little bit because I have to ask myself, and why am I doing this? Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that's such a blessing. I love how there's so much love that you have for your children mm. that I could just hear in your mm -hmm. voice and how you really take that role as a mom, very serious because yes. you know that you're going to launch her soon mm -hmm. out into the world. So you want to give her that really solid foundation and support system to let her know that. You yeah. Know, and you know, I'm going to talk her. about how God, my whole, my, my vision for this is learning to get, to trust God's plan through life's mm. disappointments. That's and, good. <laughs> you know, we're going to talk about how God just ripped away premiere. And that was um, heart-wrenching to me. But here's uh, there's so many blessings. But one is I ran that business largely Friday nights and Saturday mornings. And this past year, I have spent my Friday nights with my husband and my Saturday mornings with my daughter. And yeah. I would never have been able to pour into her if I was doing jewelry shows. And God knew mm. ahead of us what she would be going through this year and what we needed and he set that in motion mm -hmm. before I knew I would so desperately need that. So God is just so good. And that's what I want to encourage people is that we're going to face disappointments in life. We are going to face disappointments in life. Mm -hmm. But God knows our whole story. He sees the whole game board from start mm -hmm. to finish. And we cannot. And so what, what I'm learning as a 51-year-old woman of all these things, as I look back on my life, in retrospect, in the moment I was overwhelmed with the disappointment and the loss, and, and maybe there were moments I'm going to share that I was angry with God, mm -hmm. but God can take it and he loved me. And in spite of who, you know, the mistakes that I made, he still blessed me. He had a plan and a vision mm -hmm. and he has that for my future. And the, the point is to trust in that. And, and to relax in that and to enjoy everyday moments and to enjoy average. Average is good, <laughs> you know, and yeah. those are the lessons that I'm learning. So I'm excited to share a little bit about my story. Um, and there's a lot. So, uh, yeah. you know, hopefully just seeing in retrospect the disappointments and how God had a better vision um, than what I thought I was losing out on will bless those that are in a place right now where they have a roadblock or a disappointment or a loss or a frustration and to know that God has a bigger picture and they just need to trust him. Yeah, this sounds good. I'm leaning in. I'm ready whenever you are because okay. I know it's going to speak to me. So, <laughs> well, all right. Miss well, Julie. <laughs> well, I, you know, my story, I don't think is a dramatic one. But it is the story of a recovering overachiever, trying to relax in the knowledge that my worth is not based on what I accomplish, but rather just the mere fact that God loves me and that Jesus knew my name and my heart and all my mistakes when he willingly died on that cross. Because he loves me, I have value and I have worth. And I've been on this journey to learn self-love for 51 long, hard fought years. This is my story, one that's still being written. I'm still on this journey. And I hope that hearing this story, the eyes of someone that needs this will be open today to start their journey to know that God sees them and has a plan. He sees your pain. He sees it. He knows it. He sees your, sees your closed door and he can redeem it. Mm. We need to live each day and trust that God has a plan and will reveal that plan at just the right time. 
I remember as a teen, my mom sadly wondering what she did wrong that caused me a beautiful, talented, highly successful valedictorian to have such incredibly low self-esteem. It was a riddle to her. She even tried taking me to a therapist. (laughs) I want to say on the outset that I don't think my amazingly loving parents caused my crazy. I don't know what triggered it, but I suspect that my dyslexia is a big piece of the puzzle. I think dyslexia is pretty well known, but in case you guys don't know what dyslexia is, let me explain because this is a big part of my story. So basically dyslexia means that we learn a little differently than most people. So this is one in five people. So this is a lot. And there's various levels of dyslexia and it often comes in combination with ADD. That's me. So it's super fun having both of those. Um, Both are processing disorders. That's why they often go hand in hand. Sometimes people out there think they have ADD. They don't realize they're also dyslexic. And I think it's really important to get this identification because knowledge is power and it will rip open um, and help you to heal, right? It'll help you to really see the truth. So it's important to figure this out. So um, when a normal reader reads, if they've done studies of the brain, there are impulses. And if you kind of put your finger on your nose and then touch your forehead and then touch your skull and then touch the back of your neck, That's how a normal reader impulses will read. And you will learn that and rely on that way of processing and you'll be able to read and comprehend quickly, kind of like how you drive home from work and you don't even remember how you got there. It's just a a natural uh, thing that you do. Well, in a dyslexic's brain, when they've studied it, the impulses go all over the brain, all over. We use our whole brain and it's never the same. So we don't burn pathways. So every time once we are reading, it takes a lot of a lot more energy to read. So what happens is when we're using so much energy to decode the words and figure out and decipher what is in front of us, we don't have that same amount of energy to uh, apply to comprehension, right? So I have to be super interested in what I'm reading to really comprehend it. And if it's something boring for school, I have to read it and reread it and try to think about it and rewrite it to to make it go into my head. So as a little kid, um, I didn't understand why I wasn't reading like the rest of the kids, why I had to have a tutor to learn to read. I didn't understand why... They were all memorizing their math facts. And and my mom had to buy me this special little owl calculator to to practice them. And we had to spend so much time learning them. I just, I still don't know my math facts, people. I mean, things like that are hard for a dyslexic to remember because we also store information all over our brain. So one of the things that's so hard for me, because I love people so much, but I can't remember people's names. Remembering a name is hard because you're stored all over my brain. And I literally feel like I'm going through a file drawer, trying Mm -hmm. to find that file somewhere in my head and pull it out. And I always find it, but sometimes it's hours later that it'll just pop into my head, that, that word or the thing I was trying to remember. So this was very frustrating as a student because you don't have hours when you're taking a test, right? So right. I was not the best um, student in elementary school. So this was this started to define me because I was also very smart. You know, you can be gifted and you mm-hmm. can be dyslexic. They're two totally different things. So I'm very intelligent, mm-hmm. but I felt stupid because I couldn't do the basic things that a student in that world needed to do. We, we also misread things. We read things like we think they should be. Um, so true false tests, those are very hard because the teacher will make it negative, but I'm so excited that I recognize it. I just think it's positive. So I would get it wrong. So things yeah. like that, um, horrible at directions, all of, you know, all of these wonderful things that make a, a dyslexic so fabulous. Um, but I think that that is what really made me believe that I didn't have value or worth, right? Mm-hmm. And along with that was a feeling that I just couldn't find a friend, a friend that understood me, a friend that I could trust, that um, I could rely on and believe in. And I really spent my life praying for that best friend and never found it till mm-hmm. I met my husband. And that was a struggle. So I think those two things 
really taught me that I didn't have a lot of value, didn't have a lot of worth, and it created this need to overachieve. Mm-hmm. So I want you to know, though, that a dyslexic has incredible gifts that other people might not have or we have because of our dyslexia, right? So we're great salespeople people because we ask questions and we observe and we speak to get through difficult situations and we learn incredible determination because if we want to succeed, we have to try harder than anyone around us. So I've taught myself um, a lot of these skills that I think have really helped me to be successful in life. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, so I just really felt not like I couldn't keep up with everyone else, but something changed. So you might say, how did this little girl who um, had horrible handwriting, couldn't spell, struggled to read, struggled in school, very quiet, very meek, very mild, turned into this overachieving, bubbly, seeming outgoing person. People are like, you're such a um, extrovert. I'm really an introvert. Who's faking mm-hmm. it? <laughs> so, oh, wow. Well, you're faking it well, I just want to say. <laughs> yeah. So how did that happen? Okay, so I want to tell you. So in seventh grade, this thing happened where my name got put on the board for the honor roll. And I remember it very clearly. I was shocked. I mean, mm-hmm. what? I made the honor roll? And in that moment, because again, I'm pretty intelligent, you know, I go, well, if I've done it once, anything you do once, you can do again. So if I did something here, I'm going to repeat that. And I really loved the reaction I got from my teachers who, of course, loved me. I was this sweet, mild, meek little thing, you know. And my, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, and my, my parents were just blown away, right? You know, so I was like, oh, I'm doing this. So I vowed that I would never get anything but A's. Mm. And that is exactly what I did. Now, um, I'm going to give you two glimpses into my crazy. Mm-hmm. One is this. When I went to high school, freshman year, right out of the gate when the grade point average is important. I had a, a teacher that was ready to retire and it was biology class and the kids were throwing those dissecting needles in the class all the time as we watched those movies on the big circle, you know, those little, uh, the I can't even think of what it's called, but you know, we watched movies, yeah. not on the TV, but what are those? Like movies? on the projector yeah, screen like the type real, thing? Yeah, like the real movies, right? That's all we yeah, Oh yeah, yeah, okay. And yeah. it was dark and I was, you know, afraid for my life because those little dissecting pins were being thrown. Anyway, yeah, I got to be out of the gate. Uh. So I went to the counselor and I said, as a sophomore, I said, here's what I want to know. If I get A's the whole rest of my high school career, when I'm a senior, can I retake biology and erase that B? And they said, like, who in the world, <laughs> who in the world would do that? <laughs> But yeah, Julie, you can do that. <laughs> that's great. I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. And that's exactly what I did. And so as a senior, I humbled myself and I took a freshman biology class. Uh, I was that teacher's favorite student. And yeah. I was basically like the teacher's assistant. And I got that A and I became valedictorian. So wow. that's one little glimpse in my determination and my crazy. My, my kids think that's hilarious. Yeah, Um, And I do not have that kind of expectation for them, but that was just something I felt like I needed to do. And um, then at Grove City, Grove City is a very high uh, academic school. It's very, very hard. And so before Quizlets uh, existed, I learned that I needed to make my own Quizlets on paper for everything I did. And I would also document my time and wait for this, sit down. (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh I can't wait to hear this one I discovered that the key to my success was 20 hours of study time to get an A on a test and so I would document my time and make sure I got that now I graduated magna cum laude 3.78 with two degrees from Grove City as a dyslexic not knowing that I was dyslexic And I was well-rounded. I was in the orchestra. I was in a sorority. I did lots of Bible studies, volunteering. I did it all. I just 
did it. So when I say that I work two to three times harder than the average student, I'm not exaggerating. Okay. So that's a little glimpse into my crazy. Okay. Now, um, I still felt that stupid defined me, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, you'd think you'd go, okay, well, that's pretty good, but I still felt like, I know, but I can't spell. I can't, right. That little girl. So I still, um, as an adult, I mourn for that little girl, especially now that I have my own children, two of which are also dyslexic. Mm -hmm. I allowed myself to believe this lie and I didn't have that. I didn't have a lot to offer other people. Um, and of course the journey for the, that, that desperation of wanting to find that true best friend, um, Mm -hmm. was probably a big part of that journey. And God did not give me that best friend until he gave me my husband. But with my husband, I have found that true, true love where he knows everything about me and doesn't judge me. And it's just been such a gift. So the, the journey to my husband is, is an interesting one because just prior to that, I, um, was in a bad relationship as I think many people with low self-esteem gravitate towards someone that mm-hmm. is looking for someone that is less than to highlight all of their mm-hmm. less than qualities. And that's the kind of relationship that I was in. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had tried for many months to just break it off. And finally I reached that breaking point. Um, and I changed my phone number and I, and God said, Julie, you need to find a church family. You need to go back to this church that I had gone to one time. Um, mm-hmm. A friend of mine had taken me to Northway Christian community two years prior. And I'm going to be honest. I love my church, but I did not like it. I, I grew up in a 60 member church. This is thousands of people. You know, it was yeah. just, I had never seen anyone raise their hand before. That's not the kind mm-hmm. of church I grew up in. And so I was like, Lord, I'm not sure if you're confusing me with someone, but I'm not going back to Northway. I love that question. I don't know if you're confusing me for someone. That's great. So I pulled out the phone book because, yes, there was no Google then. Um, I pulled out the phone book and I sat down and called every single church that was in that phone book and not a single church answered the phone. Wow. So I was like, and I called Northway and of course they're like, oh my gosh, yes, we have a 20s and 30s group and we meet on Friday nights and you need to come. And it's so great. I, I just can't wait for you to come. So I was like, whatever. So it's January. It's dark. It's 45 minutes from where I lived. I'm going by myself. I have totally low self-esteem, right? I'm at the lowest point of my life. I'm, I'm afraid. I feel like people don't like me. They judge me. I'm going to walk into all these 20s and 30 people that are all friends and I don't know anybody. And I'm just going to try to sit in the back, hide out, be obedient, do the thing God called me to do in life. And so mm-hmm. I drive there and it's snowing and I walk in and I walk up into this room and Anna, I hear my name. Wow. And- God had prepared my path and he greeted me. I didn't even have to wait one minute. Mm. Someone from Grove City, a friend that I studied with, saw me and was so excited to see me and just ushered me in and introduced Mm. me to people. And we sat right in the front row and we're worshiping and, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. And the door opens and it's a dark room and there's light from the hallway and in walks this man in dress clothes and a trench coat and, I was like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Was it like this? Was it like, oh. Yes, it really was. I was like, "Um, who is that hottie? (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) So we break up into small groups and Philip is the leader. Okay. And Mm. I'm like, I listen to him pray and I listen to him talk. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this man. And I wanted to bolt out of there because again, I don't know anybody. Katie's off chasing her soon to be husband, you know, like, (laughs) and I wait, I mean, I, it was everything for me to stand there in that gym until he came over and said, hi. And, you know, he greeted me and talked to me for a second. And then I ran and I got out of there, but I went home and I was like, mom, I met this man and I'm marrying him. (laughs) So um, sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Now, Little did I know that my husband 
was just two years out of having uh, cancer and it was life-threatening. And two years prior, he was told that he had six months to live and that it was going to be a radical surgery to save his life. And that if he he survived the surgery, which they didn't know, and if he survived the following um, therapies, he actually had to stay in a room for 50 hours that was lead-lined with radiation. Mm. And if he, um, you know, met someone... (laughs) wanted to have a family, he had to go do something about that right now. And mm. what's amazing is that he did, you know, I mean, really facing your mortality like that. And he made provisions that would ultimately be the only reason that we have a family today. Right. Wow. So, um, my husband is such a blessing from God. And here's another little side thing I want to tell you. There are women out there right now and you know, that they have met someone that they think is the love of their lives Mm -hmm. and God has taken it away. And they think, Oh, how could you do that? Mm -hmm. That happened to me as well. I, in college, you know, this was my plan. I really went to college for the MRS degree. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get married and have kids. And that was really all I wanted to do. And I met someone and he was great. And we were on that path. And then God said to him, Nope, you need to just end it. And that was really hard for him. He actually got back with me. And then he's like, nope, <laughs> nope, yeah. not going to work. And it's neat because God has used this man in my life. Um, he was uh, a reference letter for me getting that James Madison fellowship. He is wow. the one that when he found out who I was dating right before Philip said, you got to end this. What are you doing? This is not honorable. You know, he's not a Christian. You, you need to end this relationship. So God continued to use him in my life. But I thought, you know, ugh, why in college? It felt so devastating. But the cool thing is, is that the things that I loved about him are my husband has. My husband loves history. My husband loves politics. My husband is calm and mm-hmm. kind and wise. But he's so much more and so mm-hmm. much better for me. And it's so neat that God just is always in control watching out for us. And there is things in our lives that can be good, but mm-hmm. God might have great mm-hmm. just around the corner. We have to trust. So that. that's just been an incredible, an incredible gift. So uh, as I mentioned, my whole goal in life was to be a mom. I mean, I just mm-hmm. wanted that best friend. I wanted children to raise. This was my whole mission. And really at 16, I was ready, not literally at 16, but you know, I was like, here we go. Let's just get to what I want to do. I want to be married and have kids. So mm-hmm. as soon as we got married, we started to try to have for a family right away. Mm-hmm. And the doctor said it shouldn't be a problem. And um, so we tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. And month after month, nothing happened. And so we finally realized, well, I guess we better make sure that what they're telling us is, is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, oh, and I should tell you, I, I think I, I missed a little bit here, but while Philip and I were dating, so we dated um, a year, got engaged and engaged six months. So of the year and a half, six months of that was spent either in the hospital or recovering from surgery. So he had a planned surgery. Uh, God, so he had prayed to God. He said, you know what? Um, If you do want me to get married, I think that I should meet her before I do this reconstructive surgery that was going to be life-threatening, but she should Mm -hmm. walk this journey with me. And that's Mm -hmm. when he met me. And he, the first time we had a chance to talk, and that's a fun story, but he told me what his situation was and what he was dealing with. And I said, I know exactly what you're talking about because my grandfather was one of the first people that ever had this surgery and had, had dealt with it. So that's fine with me. (laughs) I can deal with just about anything. So when he had that planned surgery in April, it went terribly wrong. And what was supposed to be six hours turned into 12. And again, he almost died and it didn't Mm -hmm. work and it was horrible. And that led to six months later, he was actually I'm going to say this word probably wrong, but like he had sepsis, right? Sepsis. Mm -hmm. And he got really, really sick and almost died again. So we had another big surgery. And then because of that, we had to wait. And then right before we got married, he had yet another big surgery. So these are like two weeks in the hospital, no eating for two weeks, coming home off work six weeks. 
Um, so we've had a lot, right? So we really experienced, you know, a lot in that little bit of time. So, um, when we started to have kids, we found out that, yeah, somewhere along the way either the radiation or one of the surgeries ended that it was absolutely zero chance Mm. and it was devastating. Now I would like to say that I was this stoic Christian who Mm. was very mature and just said, okay, well, you know, we'll find another way. We'll adopt or we'll, um, you know, maybe God just wants us to have a, di- no, Mm-mm. I, I cried every day. I prayed every day. I was on my knees every day. And I remember one moment where I was basically laying on the ground and I'd been reading books and listening to, you know, people talk and trying to get advice from everybody about this journey. And I remember saying to the Lord, I know I know that freedom will be me letting go. I need to let go of this thing that I want so badly. And I know that you want me to trust you enough to let it go and say whatever you want. But Lord, I cannot honestly do that. I just cannot be truly, truly honest and say that I'm really, really okay with not having children. And please just help me. And he helped me anyway, even though I wasn't you know, able to truly, mm-hmm. truly honestly lay it down. Like I knew that a mature Christian really would, mm-hmm. but, um, we, uh, we had 14 vials. Now, if there's people out there that have suffered with infertility, they will know that that's insanity. It's nothing. Um, we went to a specialist and he said, this isn't liquid gold. This is liquid platinum. Um, you basically have three chances to get pregnant. And so we want to, um, do the, the most invasive method. Mm-hmm. And Philip and I left that and and we were really uncomfortable with that because we knew that if you, you know, we created these little embryos and you didn't use them, they would be life. And uh, it just was too much for us. And so ultimately we decided to take sort of the middle of the road and just Mm -hmm. do the injectable drugs and insemination. And that's what we did. And Mm -hmm. so on our, it was our second attempt that we got pregnant. Now, We got pregnant, which was so exciting, but I think what's so neat is that we didn't just get one baby, as I've already mm-hmm. told you, we got two. We got mm-hmm. a boy and a girl, and it was just God's double blessing, which was so amazing mm. um, at, that God said, you know, look, I've got a good plan for you. And really, our our Philip's dad is a twin, but he's an identical twin, and so when you, you know, this was not, this was the drugs that gave me two babies. You know, I had two, two fraternal babies. I would not have the experience or the blessing of twins, which has just been an incredible journey in our lives. I mean, these two are best friends. They're freaking frack. They're just, <laughs> they're just awesome individuals. They're, they're a package deal. They're on a mission trip right now together. I mean, they're just, That's awesome. they're just awesome. I wouldn't have that if I didn't go through this. And so, yeah. you know, we thank God every day for our struggles because they actually give us our blessings. Now, can I pause you real quick, yeah. Julie? Cause I just keep getting this nudge to mention this and it's going to go way back into the middle of your story. And, you know, you said that how you didn't really lay everything down. You couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. about not having children, but I see how, you were obedient, even though it was hard when you just went to Northway. I think that was like the turning point. Yes. And as you were describing this, I just felt like, wow, this is like the story of the prodigal son yeah. in a sense, right? Because mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I'll go, you know, right. it's, but, um, and, and when you entered the room, hearing your name, it was just kind of like how the father welcomed, you know, mm-hmm. the son coming back. Mm-hmm. And it was, God is so intimate. Mm-hmm. He knows just, you know, the little details that will call his children back mm-hmm. and just someone there knowing your name, mm-hmm. knowing you made you feel like, mm-hmm. you know, it's all worthy. Be okay. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be okay. He knew. And, he knew what yeah. I mean. And I always joke as I share that story, I'll say, and God knew how impatient I am and he wasn't going to <laughs> waste a second. Here he is. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. Not come back. 
like what if you didn't take the drive the 45 oh, minutes in my, the snow yeah you would have missed my right? whole life my whole life it is just it, there's so many things in our story like even how philip got here because he's from missouri i mean we've got so many little stories that you can when you look at the game board of life you're just like mm-hmm. wow you know just being obedient just stepping out in faith and doing crazy things it's just amazing how God has blessed us. So, yeah. And trusting him, like you said, I feel like that's the theme of your story. That's just really being, um, you know, risen up. It's just mm-hmm. like trusting, even when it's hard, like you said, because his plan for us is way better than right. what we could possibly imagine. It's like his best, like you said, yeah, right. That's, that's so good. Right. Oh, and okay. when, when I, when I was pregnant, so they call you, you know, and they tell you when you're going through infertility. So I was at school and I got mm-hmm. the call that I was pregnant and it was like, okay, yeah, I knew I was. So it was like, mm-hmm. not this like jump up and down. It was like affirmation because God had already told me and he had told me that I had twins. So wow. I knew. And then they gave me the the numbers, like your your readouts of like your progesterone or whatever. And I was like, yep, yeah. I've got twins. I know I have twins. <laughs> so I went to the doctor. My mom went. This was the first visit where they 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 look and they tell you what you've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lady said, yeah, here's your baby. And that was Grace. And she was showing me all about Grace. And then oh. she stopped. And I said, wait, where's the other baby? And she's like, oh, well, you're going to have to talk to the doctor about that. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? And I remember, I was like, guys, what? So we go into the the doctor and he, of course, was not a Christian, mm-hmm. very cold. And um, mm-hmm. he said, yeah, so baby B will be a vanishing twin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I, what? And he said, yeah, baby B is a vanishing twin. It's going to go away. You're just going to reabsorb that baby. And, you know, what? I said, I need to understand how to pray. Like, are you telling Mm -hmm. me this baby is deformed or or what? Like, is it going to be a miracle if this baby survives? He goes, it won't be a miracle. There's no such thing as miracles. Mm. And so I, I, we left and I was, I was not deterred, deterred. I was like, no, God told me twins. We're, we're having twins. And we just started to pray and there's fun things to that story, but we just started to pray and I just started to beg, borrow and steal ultrasounds. <laughs> so <laughs> I probably had 20 ultrasounds and each time he was still there and no one ever said, wow, that's amazing that he's still there. They're just like, yeah. okay, well, you know, but listen, he came out first. He was early. He was tiny, but he is 20 years old today and Yay. amazing. So God had that's a plan awesome. for that kid. and He had a plan for all of them. And they are, they're a package deal, all three of them. They're all very close and rely on each other. And it just wouldn't be the same without any one of them. But I know that God has a purpose for that kid because I was told that he would not be here. And yet here he is. Yeah, that is an amazing, tremendous story. And I love how you said that all three of them are close. And that's a testament, again, to your parenting, um, yours and your husband's, Mm -hmm. you know, just making sure that you know, they're each other's best friends. And I love that story. And you said his name is Ethan, how, you know, man will call everybody out, right? And cancel us, right? But God says, nope, I got a plan for you. Um, And don't listen to man, listen to me. And you did that. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's amazing. Well, so I want to tell you a little bit about Callie. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had a, we, I quit my job and we had zero money. So we had gone from two incomes and two people to one income and four people. And two of those people were very expensive. So (laughs) we had nothing. Um, We get to a point where we're even just a one car family. We never had debt. God was very gracious in how he always provided, but on paper, we never had enough money, but we were very happy. We were mm-hmm. so blessed and, and many people in our church and my parents took care of us and provided things that we would not have been able to have otherwise. Um, but it was a struggle. And we did have a van. We had gotten a van to, to cart around these kiddos. And one day I'm driving this van and um, I, I'm, I have horrible um, perception, like depth perception. It's, I think, part of my dyslexia. Like I just, that's one of the quirks that I have. And mm-hmm. so I, I just scraped the door of the van along this brick pillar mm-hmm. and I ruined it. And I just had my head in my hands and I was 
crying and like, oh my gosh. And, you know, I have one of those husbands that does not get mad at me at all. He's just like, okay, we'll we'll deal with it, you know? So I wasn't worried about that. I just hated imperfection and I had loved it on the one nice thing we had, you know? (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh. So I called the insurance and then I called um, our friend. And this friend, Kent Adams, is an elder at our church and Mm -hmm. Philip is an elder at our church. And they're actually just like one month apart. Philip's been the youngest elder um, at our church and Kent is one, one month older. And anyway, I called him cause he had a body shop and I said, um, Oh my gosh, this is what happened. Can you fix it? And he's like, girl, let's just put some putty on that thing. <laughs> like, you don't know me at all that you think I could have putty on this horrible thing. <laughs> So, oh my god! So I call insurance and he fixes the car, and so he calls me, tell me it's done. I'm standing in the kitchen, and he's—I was on, you know, this was the era of a phone on the wall, so I've, you know, yeah. a phone in my hand, and the kids are about two and a half then, and he says to me, Julie, your car's done, but God has told me that I'm to give you back the money that I got from the insurance so that you and Philip can go and have another baby. Now, no one knew that that was a desire of our heart, but we were Mm -hmm. frightened on if we should do that, what would be involved with that? How would we ever pay for that? And it was, we had not said a word, not even to our parents, that this was something. Nobody's talking to us about having a baby. This was God speaking to us through Kent in Mm -hmm. a powerful way. Mm -hmm. And so that child was destined for our family we were Mm -hmm. to have that third baby so we went immediately and um without any drugs first attempt we got our baby Mm -hmm. so she is our bonus baby callie david and um satan he didn't want these kids he did not Mm -hmm. want these kids to be here he did not want this marriage to happen he did not want my husband to live he did not want any of it but god did and when Mm -hmm. all seemed lost When my husband got the news that his life was most likely over, God Mm -hmm. knew his journey. When he thought he would not find a wife that could handle his health issues and Satan attacked his heart and his confidence, God gave him a wife that understood and was familiar with his health issues. When we got the news that we could not have a baby, he knew we would have three When we had no money to go back to that infertility clinic he provided. God has redeemed our little family so many times. So here's another little story of God's provision. We put our twins in preschool. So we had, it was the year that we had Callie. So she's just getting born and having her as a little teeny infant. And we put them in preschool because that's what you're supposed to do. And preschool, of course, costs money, which we do Mm -hmm. not have. But I always find a way when it comes to kids. So I scraped it together and off we went to preschool and they loved it. Okay. Mm -hmm. But in January, we got notice that, well, I guess December, that Philip's health insurance was going up the same amount that we were paying for preschool. Mm -hmm. And so we could not afford preschool anymore. So through a lot of tears and disappointment, I pulled them out and we started our homeschooling journey. Now, God knew that Ethan was also dyslexic and that public school, which was the path we were on, was not where he belonged. Mm -hmm. I knew in my heart he was different. His sister was reading full books at four and Mm -hmm. he was still going at at seven. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I could see the difference. Um, And I knew I I could not put that little guy in public school. I had to protect him and nurture him and help him. I didn't know why he was this way, but I had to help. It took until third grade for me to figure it all out. Um, But when he was still struggling to read at the end of third grade, I knew something was really, really wrong. Third grade is where dyslexics really hit a wall. Mm -hmm. And that was the wall that he hit. So we were at a homeschooling event. It was like a outdoor uh, gym day, end of the year. And I was dealing with the fact that he, my son had taken this standardized test and totally tanked it. And, you know, what, what, how am I going to deal with this? And um, professor or pastor Norb was the, the gym teacher, homeschooling dad. And um, he just was laughing and just talking to a bunch of us. I was just standing there listening about how he had gone to this meeting for his daughter who had dyslexia um, and how he realized everything that they were describing was him, which 
listen, folks, this is the way it is. If you have a Mm -hmm. dyslexic child, you have a dyslexic parent because it's a 50% Mm -hmm. likelihood that you're going to have a child. So I have three children. Two of them are dyslexic. So he's describing this and he starts talking about, you know, like you get lost, no left and right, can't spell. Um, You know, he's just joking about all the things that we make fun of about dyslexics. And I knew all that stuff in my life. And I think I even joked like, I must be dyslexic, you know, like I I flip my letters and blah, blah, blah. But I never took it seriously. And in that moment, it was like the world stopped. It started to spin just like in a movie. And it was like, I literally saw all these puzzle pieces in the air all coming together. And the realization in that moment, that is who I am. That Mm. is my son. That is my dad. That is my daughter. Oh my Mm. gosh. You know, we are all dyslexic. And I went home and just started to research and read and watch videos all weekend and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. I wept for that little girl who lived that life not knowing why she was so different. I, I cried for my dad. My dad in third grade, you know, in a little small Ohio farm town got mm-hmm. held back. And that was devastating because his little brother was in the grade beneath him. So his rest of his academic high school career, everyone knew he was held back because they were in the same grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I cried for my son and how he was going to face what I faced and what my dad faced. And my mm-hmm. little teeny kindergartner, Callie, who also was struggling with all these things. Mm-hmm. And I went and called my dad. Mm -hmm. I said, daddy, finally, because as a teacher, I would go to the special ed teachers and I would say, here's what my dad's struggling with. What do you think? Like, how could we help him? No one ever told me. No one ever diagnosed it. So I called him. I said, dad, I think I know what I have struggled with and what you have struggled with and now what Ethan is struggling with. I've heard my dad cry two times in my life. Once when my mom almost died and he was asking for prayer. Mm -hmm. And, And in that moment... And he wept for my son and fearing that he would face the same kind of humiliation that he experienced Mm -hmm. growing up. But I knew that would not happen. That Mm -hmm. would not happen. I would not allow it. And I began to teach my son and my daughter, all of my kids, that sometimes we have disabilities and things that make us different, but God uses that as a two-sided coin. And the other side of it is amazing. And we are not defined by our weaknesses, but it is a blessing to show us our strengths. And we cannot develop the strengths that God has for us if we don't have the disabilities or the weaknesses that God's going to use to give us those strengths. So we have to stand and be mighty and proud of the brain that God designed for us because he created it and it's a beautiful thing. And just because it doesn't work like the standard student doesn't mean it's not amazing. And so I went out and I found um, a friend of mine introduced me to a private school in Butler and they specialized. They totally got it. They used the word dyslexia. They identified the kids. They taught to them. And I, I chose, and it was a very hard decision to give up being a homeschooling family to put my kids in school. Mm -hmm. They had a system called the Barton tutoring system that I highly recommend. And I would go and tutor my kids five days a week to make sure for three years that they would never struggle like I did. Mm -hmm. My son, I handed him over to this angel woman, Mrs. Joan. And she's a big part of our story. But I said, you know, here is my most prized possession, my little guy who Mm -hmm. is just so sweet and humble and kind. And please don't smush him. Don't let him, you know, don't let the big, strong kids defeat him and tell him that he isn't amazing. I don't want that. And she said, don't you worry about him. The only thing I want from this boy this year is for him to love learning. And she took care of him like no one could. And she worked with him and I worked with him. And by the end of the fourth grade, he was reading above grade level. And his class was filled with other dyslexic. His, his papa is a dyslexic. His mom is a dyslexic. His friends are dyslexic. His sister is dyslexic. So dyslexia is pretty cool, okay? Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever going to tell him that it isn't okay. And by sixth grade, he was president of the school. 
Okay. So people love that child. So I, you know, it's just amazing. Now you might say, if you're listening closely, how does a family that could not afford a second car pay for private school for three kids? Well, God had that all figured out. And it's part of my confidence story as well. When I decided to be a homeschooling mom, I needed the money for the, um, the curriculum. And how am I going to pay? It was $1,000, the curriculum I wanted. So I began mm-hmm. to look, how can I make money? What can I do? And I found this direct sales company called Premier Designs. Mm-hmm. Now, God called me to do this, and it was really weird. Like, even my husband was like, I don't think you should do this. This, this is not you. I don't wear jewelry. <laughs> um, listen, I'm afraid of women. I, I'm afraid. What? Of, yes, the judgment of women and feeling like I can't measure up. And do they like me or don't they like me? I don't know. And I'm going to throw myself into a business of women, have to go into people's homes and talk yes. to them. You know, listen. I, you don't really know me, but before premiere, if I wanted to talk to someone, we went to like a neighborhood party, Philip and I had a total plan. It was a song and dance. He would go up to the person and start talking to them. And then I would pop out from behind him and then continue to talk. So (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It was a really a weird choice, but God knew. And lo and behold, I was really good at selling jewelry and talking to women yeah. and, and guiding them and teaching them and helping them. And he just projectiled me to success. I yeah. mean, within five years, I was senior leadership, which was, you know, very hard to do that fast. And within two years, we had enough money to buy the house we're living in now. And, okay. um, and he provided so that the three years that I made the most money in that business were the three years that they were in that private school. So God totally, he totally provided for that. So it was amazing. Um, So Ethan, he, he, I just want to focus on him. I could focus on all three kids, but he was just amazing. And, and, you know, he, he, he developed his gifts and Mm -hmm. he is humble because of his experience. He has a teachable Mm -hmm. spirit because of his experience. He is an incredible teacher because he knows how hard it is to learn. He sees and, and he watches and he learns. He's an incredible mediator. He is, has empathy. Um, he just, he knows how to navigate his difficulties. And I want to say I homeschooled him. Ultimately, we, we had a whole journey and I can tell you, we've tried every single kind of school there is. Um, but ultimately we graduated him as a homeschooler. He went to Grove city college as a senior. Um, and he is, on the dean's list, the dean's list with distinction, along with his sister at Grove Way City. To go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. academically, he is the bomb.com and I love <laughs> at Grove City, which is so amazing to me with the journey that we've been on. Um, yeah. So I mentioned about my husband, and I want to just point out that he's had to deal with all these health issues since his cancer, and our children have watched their dad um, and how he never complains. His life is not easy, but he endures. I would venture to say that most people have zero concept of what he's going through. Those that were there 25, 27 years ago, they know, but they've probably forgotten um, because he does not make it known um, the things that he has to deal with. But the kids know, and they know how it affects our family life. Um, and the choices that we have to make. And it's just a powerful witness for the children to see daily. God is so good to our family. God has used that struggle to empower and define the character of our children. And we wouldn't trade it for anything. We're thankful every day that God has allowed Philip to be alive and with mm-hmm. us. And we try hard not to focus on, on difficulties or how we can't do certain things because dad has, um, you know, things with his health he has to take care of. And instead, we focus on what we can do and how we can make it happen in our time together. So he knows our whole journey. He can see what's in front of us. And I've learned that I need to hope for tomorrow. Um, I don't have to be the very best in the moment. I just have to be obedient to what God's calling me to do, even if I can't imagine how he will redeem it. So in 2020, I told you that Premier closed his doors. And that was truly devastating to me. I loved, loved his company. I was very, very committed to it and loyal. I loved the people. I loved the mission and how they were helping missions. I loved that it was a Christian company. I loved the women that I got to minister to. I loved 
achieving. I loved being mm-hmm. successful. I loved knowing what I was doing. And yet God knew he had something else for me and he slammed that door. Mm-hmm. And in the moment I thought, why? But, you know, here I am. And I don't know why I'm selling print and not jewelry, but God does. I'm learning things that he wants me to know and people he wants me to meet and things he wants me to do. But I just want to encourage, you know, anyone out there that feels like, oh, I found my place. This is it. You know, and then God says no, that we don't know what's around the next corner. And even though that the journey is hard. We have to believe that God has something amazing, amazing, amazing in store for us. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. I just hear, you know, throughout everything that you've just shared, but God, that just kept coming into yeah. my heart, but God. And then also, Julie, just hearing how just different people within your lives have just stepped up and mm. helped you and mm-hmm. listened to the Lord, Yeah, you know? Um, just from the putty of the car, you know, and giving you the money to start, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to add to your family. Right. Um, you know, the teacher that just took um, Ethan under her wing, mm-hmm. um, just, you know, just so many people who are willing just to stop from their busy lives, from their own to-do list, from their own agenda, mm-hmm. and listen to you, to your story, And then listen to God and in their obedience helped another family. And it's just like a trickle down effect, Mm -hmm. right? Because it affected your whole entire family. Mm -hmm. And now here's Ethan, you know, flourishing, Mm -hmm. thriving. Mm -hmm. He's not surviving. Mm -hmm. He's thriving. Mm -hmm. And so thinking of all the many lives he's going to touch. Mm -hmm. And I will say that um, I'm grateful that you're at UPS, you know, (laughs) and that God just intertwined our stories together in a sense, like I just met you because I need some printing done. Um, I wouldn't need jewelry because I'm like you, I'm not a jewelry person. So I wouldn't have met you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. know. You did give me a sweet compliment because sometimes I feel like just throwing stuff on and one day you're like, Oh, you look cute today. I was like, Oh, thanks. So, (laughs) but you know, when I, when I was like, when I said what, when you said that you were scared of women, I was like, wow, I would never imagine that. Mm -hmm. Because again, daring to believe family, when you meet Julie, she is the most confident, happy, joyful, cheerful. She's like a cheerleader when you walk in. So you would never, ever guess that you have, you know, struggles with talking to women or low self-esteem. Like I would never peg you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just think that that's just amazing. Your story is such an amazing testimony of how God just completely redeems Mm -hmm. just the adversity that we have to go through um, and that his, his story is the best. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you feel Julie that you have shared everything that the Lord has placed in your heart? Yeah. I mean, I know that there are lots more little stories and vignettes to share, but this is the heart of it. You know, I just want women to know that, and men really, um, that no matter where they're at, they're not alone and it all is not lost and there is hope for tomorrow. And the only way there's not is if you don't step into tomorrow. So we just have to keep walking in faith and trust and be reminded of times in our past when God has been there and keep Mm -hmm. that at the forefront of your mind. When you're going through today's problems, think about how God has been with you in the past and allow that to just encourage you and and help you to remember that he will be with you today for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. I just thank you so much, Julie for spending your Saturday morning with me. I know that you're probably itching to go shopping at Home Goods <laughs> or Kirkland's with your sweet daughter. So I thank you for investing time with me and our Daring to Believe family. I'm grateful for you. And I look forward to deepening our friendship together. Um, I'm just going to tell you again, if you guys need print, something as simple as graduation announcements, wedding announcements. I mean, this woman is the person to call. She will... Um, unfortunately work late nights to get your stuff done. And it's not because she just wants it really like excellence is her, is her name. So just really 
thankful for you. Um, but one more questions before we go, before I say bye to you is have anything uh, planned for spring break? So um, I don't think Callie gets any kind of, you mean like Easter time or? Yeah, like Easter time, anything <laughs> fun when it's think, warm. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that we get any kind of time off, but the twins right now are on a plane to Arizona for this missions trip. And this is the first time my children have been on a plane without me. So this is a big, wow. you know, I know they're 20 and everything, but they'll always be my little itty bitty babies. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I get it. They are on an adventure and I'm excited for them to hear how it goes, but um, oh, that's, that's, that's what's going on in our lives right now. That's awesome. Can't wait to hear that story from you when I see you again. Well, thank you, Julie, for joining me on Daring to Believe. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, family. Uh, This is Anna, your host, and have a good day.